This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None except. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are chock full of that, man. All right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold sets up. If you're going to blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe, and it is a victory edition of Longhorn Blitz. <laughs> Texas gets a win 27-24. Why you laugh, Rod? You better enjoy it, man. They don't come. They ain't, it ain't easy to win. That's nah. something always says. Man. This 2019 team is not going to make anything easy in case anybody hasn't figured that out already. I, I've heard people say, man, why, why can't this team just give me a game where I can sit back and relax? No, that's not going to happen. No. You're not this deep in a Big 12 play. That's, That's not, not their identity happen. right now. Yeah. They're bad in the fourth quarter at times, you know what I mean? They, and then they start slow at times. That's not this team. They struggle, baby. They Any, struggle. Anything in your life, uh, you know, whether it's caffeine or spicy food that's going to give you indigestion while you're watching a football game, avoid it when you're watching this team because it's going to come down to the fourth quarter, probably the last possession, maybe yeah. the last minute. Yeah, I find tequila works if mm-hmm. I can fit it in with Whatever, watching this team. Uh, yeah, but then you may have a little bit more extreme reactions <laughs> oh, one way or oh, yeah, the no, other. They're, they're very extreme. I don't have to do post games, so I'm good. Or perhaps rot an <laughs> ice cold Bud Light. Yes, yeah. ice cold Bud Light. Yes, yes. Pace yourself. Yes, chase the tequila. With the Bud you got to get that paper, Rod. You got to yeah. make sure we're going to slip that in <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, there you go. Can. Thank you, brother. Uh, so no we'll point. talk about the win over K State and get you ready for a, a very interesting Iowa State game. Before I bring in the rest of the team, let me just start off by saying yes, we are a little late this week. We had some inclement weather in Austin, mm-hmm. and I game plan with Matt and Rod and figured, you know what, instead of trying to wait it out and see what the weather's going to be like Tuesday morning, which is our normal recording morning, why don't we just push it back? It was smart. And since everything was on a two-hour delay, we would have been basically in rush-hour traffic trying to get here, so yep. I think we made the right call. Smart move. Rod had a meeting on Wednesday, so I was like, you know what, we'll just record Thursday. It's cool. We'll just we'll get it out. So, yes, you're getting the blitz. It's a couple of days late, but nonetheless, we are here. Let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well, man. You? Terrific. And Lifetime Longhorn 2002 UT All-American 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth-round draft choice of the New York football Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos. Andy here with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL, which, as he has said, playing in the CFL is like going into porn if you're an actor. It is. Nobody ever wanted to be a CFL Hall of Famer. You don't grow up thinking that. You know what I mean? Nobody grows up ever thinking they wanted to get into porn, but there are lots of people in porn because they thought they would get into Hollywood and then they trickle down and end up in the porn industry. One of those deals, Rod, if you're willing to do it. If you're willing to do you it. You can make a nice living out of somebody it. Somebody will pay you. But, yeah, I didn't want to <laughs> be in football's version of porn. But when it was done yeah. with football, got himself back to Austin, Texas, in the 40 Acres where he earned his degree. Whatever that T-ring gets back in his possession, he promises everybody he will wear it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card carrying member of DBU, number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Thank you. And if you're comparing uh, the sex industry uh, and the flesh industry also to football, I did play in the Arena Football League, which is basically, I mean, then you're basically like a you're, – Straight up sex worker at that point. You're just, so, yeah, what you're about basically like, a prostitute then? When there's <laughs> emerging like technology or emerging like a new league like the XFL, would that be like your webcamming or something like that? <laughs> that that's true. Like, there's yeah. emerging technologies you have to deal with. There these you go. Things, sort of like that. Exactly right. There you go. I agree with this 100%. We could take that analogy very far if we wanted to. Well, maybe you've got <laughs> a nice, like, to Matt's point, maybe you've got a nice nine to five. On the side, maybe you're a paralegal. That's something. true. Yeah. And then you can and XFL you got in, your 50K in the K for the yeah. XFL. There you okay. go. Boom. 
It's amazing. Here we go. We should exist back in my day. I'd have been XFL. Uh, it's like an old sports buffet segment. <laughs> you can uh, get all this kind of conversation anytime you want. Uh, just subscribe to Horns Twenty Four Seven Podcast anywhere you get your podcasts: Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify. Uh, don't forget to like us and leave us a True review. Uh, State of Recruiting with Bobby Burton and Mike Roach, the flagship with Chip Brown and Taylor Estes, all that and Longhorn Blitz, all on the Horns Twenty Four Seven Podcast Network. Uh, Rod, so let's start. With a 27-24 win over K-State. And I want to start with the offense because I was thinking about the offense the last couple of days. And here's where I'm at with the offense. Like, I think we are critical of the offense at times, maybe too critical at times. I think we are too critical. But to me, and I kind of processed it, and I finally came to this, I think we're harder on the offense because it's the side of the ball that, of all three phases of the game, has the least amount of excuses. And the highest expectations. And the most talent. Exactly. <laughs> All of those things. Which yeah. is why we look at them through more of a, a micro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, them expectations the totally gauge agree. that totally. Yeah. So there were times where it was clunky offensively, especially in and around the red zone, which they got to get that cleaned up, and we can get into that if you guys want. The penalties are something that also have to get penalties. Up. It I think are more a concern for me. Yeah, you realize like this is one of the most penalized teams in the country. However, you want to look at it, you want to look at total penalties, total yards, penalties per game, penalty yards per game. Yeah, uh, Texas is one of the worst teams in the country. Beating yourself when it comes to penalties. Yes, and then Sam Ellinger's turnover, which there's a great breakdown. Somebody did on the flagship message board of Horns 24-7 talking about route combinations and basically all the ways that play went wrong. At the end of the day, Rod, I think it's just a bad throw by Sam. It's just if he, Oh, the I, interception? I, yeah. yeah. Just an under just, just an underthrow. Well, he, and I yeah, I don't know why he threw that to me. It, it, yeah, I, don't know. I thought it was a bad read and a bad throw. Yeah. Both. It, 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 he compounded a bad situation by yeah. – I mean, if, if he puts that in a certain spot, maybe DuVernay can make well, a play or okay, knock it, it down. Was an empty, in, it's an empty formation, right? Okay. It's an empty formation. If you watch it, there's a, a combo route going on with Colin Johnson who's in the slide and Keontae Ingram. Yep. Keontae Ingram's wide open. Yeah. It's like a second down, I believe, right? It's not third down. It's almost like a pre right, yeah. a yeah, preconceived it's not, no, it's, it's read not that third he down. I know it wasn't right. third down because I remember me screaming uh, and, and drinking Bud Light and tequila and saying he didn't have to throw that. He could have thrown underneath and taken the other lead. I know it was third. It was like really long, but I don't believe it was well, and third and really long. You don't necessarily have to throw past the sticks. You can just throw it's to true. the open you know, guy. But, but Keontae Ingram could have easily gotten eight more yards. Second yeah, no, eight. that's my point. He could have gotten the first down. Yep, if your scheme. So my, I don't know why Sam threw that. He like he like uh, uh, there was a great. Um, I, I think it's a saying by honestly, I think it's Jason Garrett. I hate to say it. <laughs> yeah. Wow, like, uh, you know we're going. You know we're veering off into strange territory here <laughs> yeah, on this week's show. But he, he does have a great saying. He says, um, uh, "We aggressively take what the defense is giving us. Aggressively take what the defense is giving, I like and I that. like that." He text, I mean, right there, Sam didn't take what the defense was getting. They gave you that underneath, right? Go back and watch it. Man, Kent Ingram is wide open, wide open, and just, like, coasting underneath. And Sam has already made his mind up. It seemed like before that play where he and was And those going. are the type of plays that are, can be either problematic or not even an issue. You just don't know where in the player's mind. It was like, okay, wait, did he just totally have a brain fart to make up one play mistake? Or is this a trend of he's been going in with preconceived ideas and maybe not having We've to seen pay, pay for the ramifications? That, that We've seen a lot more lately is my point. True. That they, point. That, so it makes me just wonder about him at that situation. Are teams seeing what he's doing and actually knowing – he's falling into a few more consistent trends. Well, Tim Beck talked about this earlier in the year, that this is the point where Sam is in his maturation process as a quarterback, where he's become so good pre-snap that he, based on reading it before the snap, he knows where to go with the ball. All the time. But now it's, okay, you might see a cover two. Somebody's going to Belichick you. But now yeah. you switch it in there in a single high, yeah. and then Are that completely changes you? your read. Yeah. Right. So it's just – it's kind it's of a chess just, match going on between yeah. Sam, the OC, and the DC. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. yes, Sam, in theory, in theory, in theory yes, you you're were right. right but, but as the play developed, you were wrong. Your post-snap read has to confirm your pre-snap read. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what's not happening. You're ch- and I know you say you're trusting your pre-snap too much, but you still have to actually read the defense post-snap. You can't just assume yep, exactly. your pre-snap is always right. And I think maybe that's a step that Sam 
that's kind of kind of skipped over because he's been so good in the preseason. Well, and that's a big like four second change right there mentally that you then have to identify and be able to go with if you are able to do that against the defense. Yeah, and, and I asked him back about it earlier because uh, you know we kind of got in a I don't say this in a bad way like just a little back and forth yeah. about. Uh, I was asking him, well, you know, some people might, he was explaining that process, and I said, well, you know, some people might hear that and say that's a bad thing, but in your opinion, is that just kind of a maturation process of quarterbacks? He's like, yeah, all, all yeah. quarterbacks go through it. It's just that that position, and, and I know football players talk about it all the time, Rod, but that is a position where you're never done developing. Like, Agreed. there's still stuff like Tom Brady still works through stuff and guys at the highest levels yeah. and the Aaron Rodgers and the Drew Brees mm-hmm. of the world yeah. still have to go through that totally process. Totally agree. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I, I think that makes perfect sense, the explanation does. To me, it does, as a football yeah. guy. It makes perfect sense yeah. to me. Because even the, remember the, the pick he throws under his own goalpost? Remember, it was at the yeah, Kansas, Kansas game? game yeah. mm-hmm. And we were like, what the hell was that? That he, dude never moved. He yeah. just threw it, and he threw it so quickly. It was like, he definitely didn't read that because he couldn't have seen that guy that quickly and still threw it. It's like, oh, well, he obviously pre-snap, he figured that backside of that RPO is going to be wide it's open. Always he saw there. something or something, always there, whatever, and he figured it'd be right. there. And well, was, and a lot of time when you're selling those RPOs and then flipping around to the other side, it's almost as if you're blind faith, but then you have to identify in that few seconds yeah. if he's there or not. But you almost can get into an automated mode oh, in totally those type agree. of plays. Yeah, yeah, especially because so, it's all muscle memory. Exactly. RPO is all and muscle memory. Where he, I can see me being stuck halfway in between. Like, oh! Oh, yeah, no, I, like, I'm too indecisive. I'd yeah, be sitting there in a row. I suck as an RPO quarterback because I'd be like, oh, oh, I thought he was right there. I'd be Mitch like, no, Trubisky. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <You'd> be, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, have you great, seen some of those dudes? That is a great description. Yeah. God, you'd be Mr. Bisky. So, you know, we talk about the penalties and we talk about the one turnover Sam Ellinger had. But, Rod, at the end of the day, uh, you talk about an offense that racked up 477 yards hey, Keontae uh, against Ingram, baby. K-State. You got uh, good Keontae. Got off 65 plays and – well. I love the offensive game plan. Can I say yeah, that? I that's where it. I was going with this. I like, loved it. Yeah. I loved it. I loved it because everything that we've been calling for on the show, the 10 personnel uh, in a situation other than two minutes, only time mm-hmm. we've seen it is L- versus LSU uh, in a two-minute situation. Uh, this is the first time we've seen it actually in, you know. They opened like, the game uh, with it. Yeah, like started the game with it. And I think it was something that they leaned heavily on. They used Malcolm Epps as their flex tight end, something that we had seen like a little bit in the Kansas game. But mm. I said we wanted to see more of that. You saw more of that. I don't know why they haven't used Jake Smith more in that role. But trust me, when you get a healthy Jordan Whittington and a, and a Jake Smith who is broken through the, the freshman wall in that package, 10 personnel in the field with four wide receivers, one back, zero tight end, that is going to be scary. Gary. And what they figured out is, of course you can run the football out of 10 personnel. That that long run by Keontae Ingram, that touchdown run where they run the uh, the speed, the speed option. option. Dude, it, it, the numbers advantage in the box is so evident and so obvious. It's it, it's exactly what you want. Texas just simply outnumbered them in the box. Once the, uh, the, the guy took uh, Sam Ellinger and took him out, nobody was on the pitch, man. And Keontae Ingram's up the sideline. Dude, you can run. In my opinion, I think you can run. I think they average five point nine yards per rush out of the ten personnel. You can run really well with Sam as your plus one out of this package because he's such a he's such a bruising force it, running. It adds multiple mismatches because not only that, but then you get Colin Johnson in the slot on Thank the God. other side, which is just so. And we got to see some Thank of it, like last year in the Oklahoma game. You would see some, or in the Big Twelve Championship Oklahoma game was one where you could see him being used in different spots, and him getting the mismatch in the slot just seems in college to be such a huge mismatch that you just be able to take advantage of it as many times as possible. So having that there and maybe getting an advantage in the run game and then just the mental consumption of the defense to have to identify something they haven't seen on defense. Because 11's good and 11's great, but if you're talking about the mental stress that a defense, you're helping them if you're just coming out and they don't have to identify anything new and then you're already to step two in your mind as a defender. Instead, now there's a recalibration there for a split second and a little bit of question. It's it's what we've talked about, Rod. And in theory, there's nothing wrong with the offense as productive as they've been. But no, you're at eleven the point personnel. Now, they still were more productive in eleven personnel. Than they were in ten personnel, and that's so. That's not the point. You're yeah. still you're you're at <laughs> the, the point. You're at the point yes. now, though, where there's enough film out on you that you you almost became too predictable. Yep. You almost. I understand the mentality of we're going to do what we want to do, but it's sometimes you're doing that to your detriment. You have your staple concepts in this offense, like your inside-outside zone, your, four verts. your bubble screen, four-vert. Yeah. You can do all that stuff. 
just dress it up differently. Exactly right. And and you bought, you're about to go against better defenses, right, the, that second half of the schedule. And not saying LSU wasn't great. LSU was awesome. But there wasn't a lot of film out there on what Texas was going to be. That was the second game of the season. Mm-hmm. Like you pointed out now, you know, seven, eight games in, now there's a ton of film. And you're going up against Gary Patterson, best defense of mine in the Big 12, arguably. Then John Heacock, who's probably right up there in terms of respectability of his defensive acumen. And then Baylor, which is playing some of the best defensive football in the Big 12 right now. Yeah, those teams are going to be to figure out your tendencies. But like you said, you just dress it up in 10 personnel, and now they go, oh, damn. They start freaking out uh, because they got to make sure that they, they allocate resources to defend those four wide receivers and all that speed on the field. I mean, t- there were seven targets, I think, to Colin Johnson, and he had seven receptions. Had arguably, I think, maybe his best game of the year. And it was a simple reason why. They just moved him around, and the defense couldn't always identify on every down where he was. Right. This sideline or that sideline. No, I was like, oh, no, he's in the slot. Cornerback he, on him, right? cornerback on exactly. him. Exactly. Like, but, like, it's, it's like, no, so oh, man, safety on him. Oh, linebacker might be yeah. on him. And they even, they even put him in motion once, and it was a beautiful thing. They put him in motion once. Did you see that? Yeah. Oh, man, it was so beautiful. I saw Colin Johnson in motion, and I got I got, How I got happy we like did a little girl. Like, I was like, baby, they put Colin We're Johnson in motion. We're doing things. And I don't even think it amounts to anything, but I was just excited. No, yeah. Which, you know – if moving him around, it creates situations that, you know, I, I love the game plan. from the, And this is kind of – Matt, I don't think we disagree on football, but some you're, you kind of are, are an analytical mind, and, and I've yeah. got friends that are analytical minds. And, and I get accused all the time. They're like, Jeff, you're old school. I'm like, I don't know, maybe that's offensive lineman. I mean, like, I just want to just have a good run game because there's something about being able – to what impose is, your will on people that that's sexy about football to me. Totally well, good. and if you can't do that, then you can always defeat the opponent if you're literally able to push them around. Right. But when it, not everybody can do that. But, exactly. I look, but I look at what K-State did, Rod. And going into this game, I started looking at the numbers. K-State defense isn't – it's not an elite defense. No. It's pretty average. No, they just – their offense complements the defense exactly. so well. When yeah. you start – like I looked the, – the, the yeah. stat that really blew me away and really made me dive deeper into it, I started looking at yards per play allowed. Mm-hmm. Only Texas and Texas Tech were worse among Big 12 defenses going into that game than K-State. And, yeah. I'm like, and then you start looking at it, I'm like, well, TCU moved the ball. Oh, you eventually moved the ball. Like everybody's moved the ball on K-State. Yeah. It's just at some point with the way they play, you're going to shoot yourself in the foot. Or they're going to have three 12-play drives. And it's like we talk about, like Chris Kleiman's not doing anything different than Bill Snyder did. You get in a game like Oklahoma did, and all of a sudden you realize – Crap, we're down 21 and there's eight minutes left. Like, we just don't have enough time. They suffocate you because, like you said, yeah, you just run out of – I think you run more out of plays because they just – they, they you, they, I think the opponents averaged, what, 57, 58 mm-hmm. plays. So I, I agree with you. The defense wasn't spectacular, but because they played great complementary football and even with special teams to hit and yardage, all those things, it helped the defense tremendously. But, yeah, you could – Texas could have exposed that defense, and I knew they were going to expose them, especially if they were able to spread them out. Right. That's why we kept saying, man, throw the 10 personnel. You were saying – and I'm agreeing with you. I think they should throw – I think the 21 and the 20 personnel needs to come out next. I would like to see it. Now you got two running backs, potentially three running backs with Jordan Whittington if you want to play him. I think he'll probably play in the last like two or three games of the season. I think they want to consider his red shirt. You know what I mean? I, I think at this point you have to. Yeah. At this point you it'd have to. It would be irresponsible not to. So I think mm-hmm. that you might see him in the bowl game if they make the Big 12 title game and then like that Tech game or something. You know what I, I mean? Th- well, Maybe the Baylor game. Because Maybe. W- what this staff has to consider now is the Big 12 championship game counts as, as, a, as, a, as a game, game the red where you can exactly. lose your red shirt. So, so you count backwards, basically. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think this staff has to look at it. Maybe do you get through this weekend and say, let's say Texas beats Iowa State. Yeah. And then you're saying, okay, maybe okay. do 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 you use maybe use him against Baylor? And then don't and, against and then don't tech. against Tech. So and you then, have him in the Big Twelve totally Championship agree. game. So totally now you're agree. at the point where, and it could be a deal rod totally too with agree. Jordan Whittington that maybe they've talked to him, and maybe at this point they just redshirt him. All involved parties. Well, maybe all involved parties don't care, and they're like, That's look, true. if he if he you hits the ceiling, me. he's not going to need the extra year anyway. So yeah. they'll just use him. Yeah, I know. I totally agree. I don't know what they what they're thinking, but I I think we're we're in agreement that they're counting backwards and they want to keep the red shirt available as yeah. an option. Period. And I agree with that. But my point: when you get him back, you have three running backs. Your idea about the 20 personnel, uh, the 21 personnel, which we've seen, by the way, we saw it in the spring game, uh, 8.49 left in the second quarter spring game, and they go 21 personnel, empty formation. They did that with Jordan Whittington and Keontae Ingram. I, I still I want to see those three packages as – and now it's your base. 11 is still your base. You run that 60% of the time. But I, it's a, just a little tweak throwing in some 10, a little tweak throwing in a little 20 and 21. 
I honestly, I think this Texas offense could be really, really impressive with the, with Jake Smith added to the mix at one point, Jordan Whittington added to the mix at one point. And by the end of the year, with a healthy Colin Johnson, knock on wood, <laughs> and Devin DuVernay, dude, that's a nasty mix all out in the field at one time. You, you that's talk, nasty, man. Yeah, you, br- <laughs> you bring up the tight end, uh, and I think this game gave us a really good idea of what Reese, L- Reese Lato does really well, which is – Basically, as long as he's not, and I don't say this disparagingly, as long as he's not, as long as he's attached to the formation and being an inline blocker, or you're you're letting him do his dirty work between the hashes, he's very effective. He's basically a fullback most of the game, that inline fullback. Which for you. the the usage of the tight ends we talked about it right all year, like Cade Brewer. You can't tell Cade Brewer go be Andrew Beck. You're doing a disservice to Cade Brewer. Mm-hmm. If you want to use if you want to use eleven personnel and have him out there. Then use him in a way that maximizes his skill set. Yeah. Same thing with Reese Lato. Don't I don't want him. You don't in, split I don't want him in the slot. Wide. I don't want him trying <laughs> no, to. That's why we have. I don't want him trying to stop block corners. That. Totally agree. Yes. Yeah. You want him to pull, like be a part of a counterplay, kick out a defensive. Great. Let him do that totally all day. Do that. You want yeah. him to get to second level, try to hook a linebacker. Great. Let him do that all day. Yeah. No, I totally agree with you. I think that that's what that game plan amounted to, in my opinion. It's like, no, let's put them, let's do, let's let everybody do what they does, they do best. Let's just let them do that, and that's exactly what it was offensively. The offense would have been even more productive, Rod, had it not been for the penalties and had it not oh. been for the turnover. Oh, real quick, I gotta, I gotta get this. I hope I got the play right. Okay, did you guys remember this play? Because I marked it. Okay, it is the first one or two, the third drive. It was a Samuel Cosme holding penalty that brought it back. Twenty-nine yard gain by Devin Duvernay. Mm-hmm. It was the third drive of the game offensively. And it was a first and ten. Mm-hmm. They went three by one formation. It was beautiful. They lined Duvernay up as the number three wide receiver on the trip side. Remember that play that LSU ran on Texas where they lined up? Oh, I forgot which receiver it was. Chase. It was either Chase or Jefferson. They lined him up as the number three, and they run him a deep drag route mm-hmm. all the way to the uh, uh, the opposite sideline side, behind then, the defense. Yes, behind yes. the defense, and Joe Burrow hits him on the other uh-huh. sideline. Texas did that. They nice. stole, the stole play. a play. They stole the play. They stole a play. Yes, I remember that exact play. play watching that with you my dad that? and being and like, like, well, because it's so good because it pulls the whole defense oh, and then your linebackers man. get sucked up and then you're yes. all by yourself on the backside of the offense. It was great. The la- and then was, they end up, the end up calling play, it back the, for holding. The one you're talking about, Rob, that was the last play of the, the uh, first quarter. Yeah. Last play of the first quarter. Okay, yeah. It, man, it was it was great. And it was holding. I was like, no! <laughs> it worked, but at least it's on film now. But, man, they got to come back to that. It was a beautiful play design. But I think they just mm-hmm. stole it from LSU. But they should be stealing plays all the time. Yes. Hell, that play that K-State scored on your defense where the, uh, the Malik knows the in wheel. the backfield. Mm-hmm. The yeah. yeah, the one where they motion him into the backfield and then he runs the, I don't know, half-wheel route out of the backfield. Texas should steal that play. Steal that play and run Devin DuVernay or Jake Smith on that play. <laughs> steal it, steal it. I would still play. I still like four five plays for my opponents a week. I still and we I should open I, about it. Man, I, I, I literally play. used to draw up <laughs> plays and mail them to Jimmy Johnson as like a third grader. It's like Rod, Rod, you should just go and be like, "Hey Tom, Dude. here's a link. I this play, take it and just you know send what? them in." I don't know. Somebody should because that was a beautiful play. I know we'll talk about the, the defense here, but that was I love that play. You know, play. you know how many teams have stole the offensive tackle screen pass from Texas. Oh, that's true. So yeah. I've seen SMU run it. I've seen point. a couple small colleges run it. Come on, man. I don't know. That was the first time I can kind of – well, I know Texas has stolen an exam. They stole stuff from Lincoln Raleigh, but that was a great – I like that. That was really good. There was Another also one there. similar to the Cosme play where the dude was doing cartwheels. Did you see the linemen do cartwheels? <laughs> no. No, this happened like that. just in one of those midweek Mac games. I think it was like last night. Yeah. Action. It's literally <laughs> dude's out there, and he puts his arms up as if he's going to be a receiver, and then he just does a cartwheel backwards. Wow. He's an offensive tackle. That is awesome. Yeah. What was it? I remember. Our, was it Arkansas State? Maybe playing Miami one time, and they tried to run a fake punt, and like the, there was a guy in the slot who acted like he like got shot. He just like fell down. <laughs> <laughs> you guys remember what I'm talking about? Yep. Dude, that's some like, works, people man. Fall on the ground. Somebody goes on like, the ground for some reason. Your eyes lose them. It's mm-hmm. so weird. I can't even tell you. Like, but it happens. Yeah. Or like that pseudo kind of fair catch. North Texas ran against Arkansas. Last uh, year. I kind of, I think I remember that too. Or the we need a new ball, we need a new ball, and I'm then going to run sprint down for a touchdown. <laughs> you know. Oh, real quick, did you see the one Tua had in the uh, in the LSU game? I heard. You know, about he claps it. on the snap. I don't think he I claps on the snap, and then like he kills the play. It's he's acting like he's killing the play. And while he's doing a look back to the sideline, claps Derek gets the snap, and Devontae Smith's wide open. Nice, I like yeah. that. It's good. Like the Marino, the fake, the fake yeah. ki- kill, fake clock play, yeah, the yeah. fake kills, kill the snap, yeah. yeah. 
Uh, all kinds of good stuff uh, we get into. But anyway, to get us back to Texas and K-State, I mentioned the run game, Rod, and there's a couple things I like about it. One, we talk about Texas having that K-State model where you're protecting your defense. The Texas defense only faces 53 plays in this game, and that's part of how you help a defense that's struggling. Well, don't expose them so much. Yep. Value time of possession and maximizing drives and being yeah. really good on third down, doing the things that we saw Texas – at times do last year. They've added the explosive element. But that 13 play drive at the end of the game, Rod, shows that awesome. they they haven't they haven't gotten explosive at the expense of losing the identity of when you really need to, can you be mentally sharp enough to grind out of the kind of drive you need to grind out that's going to burn the last six and a half minutes off the clock. Totally agree. They basically beat K State at K State football in a lot of yeah. respects. Yeah. Time of possession, long, sustained drives. And the other thing that the run game does, especially when Keontae Ingram goes for 139, and I asked him after the game, I said, what made the difference in the run game in the second half? And he said, well, we actually ran the ball. <laughs> Just being That's committed true. to the run. and, and what Well, it I, would, I would argue that they committed to the run because you were having a good game. When true. you're not having a good game, it's hard to commit to the run because we don't have a lot of running backs. So true. that would be my counter they're, to they're, Keontae mm. in his – uh, it's smart response. I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting <laughs> down. But the other thing it does, Rod, is it opens up the RPO game. And yeah. maybe they've run RPOs more in, in other games, but I can't remember it being as effective as it was. I don't know if they've run more. I, saw, I think I saw more in this game than I've seen. Yeah, it, like the first games. month you didn't see many. You didn't the see many. past month you've seen more. I've seen, Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe So maybe the Larry Fedora influence now is starting to So the combination of getting Colin Johnson on the move with the – effectiveness and the dedication to the run game. Yeah. Now when you go RPO, it gets you matchups like, oh, crap, we got a corner one-on-one with Colin Johnson on a slant. That's not a battle we want totally to, to be in. Yep. No, I agree. That's a good point in the way it all kind of came together. Yeah. Yep. No. And, and I, I asked Colin Johnson about it after the game, and he, like, cracked a smile. I was like, yeah, man, it's wide open. He's like, because it's only natural. If you're running the ball well and you see run action, you put the ball in the running back's bread basket. Every time. That safety's going to have to come down. Yeah. He's got to respect it. And then you pull it out, and boom, it's open. Yeah. And the only way to go is to go true man-to-man. If you go true man-to-man with no help at all, then that's even more vulnerability yeah. on the yeah. outside with Colin Johnson. No, I agree. It's pretty uh, impenetrable. Yeah. Uh, anything. Uh, <clears throat> I, the only other thing I want to touch on with the yeah. offense is, is the offensive line, and I think some people took issue with Tom Herman on Monday, uh, saying the offensive line was serviceable once Junior Angulao went after the game, and, and maybe that's Tom Herman not wanting to say, "Yeah, we were really good without Junior Angulao in on the field, yeah. a guy that started nine games for us and been pretty good as a redshirt freshman." I think people forget that about Junior Angulao sometimes. Oh, is he having problems? Well, he's a redshirt freshman, and in a perfect world, you're probably. <clears throat> not starting retro freshman offensive lineman. But I like that combination, Rod, for two reasons. One, the the downgrade, if you will, from Derek Kerstetter to Denzel Oka for a right tackle, there's not that much of a drop-off. And two, kicking Kerstetter inside when you're talking about an offensive line that's been having trouble picking up stunts and movement and just general communication issues, yeah. being able to put a veteran guy next to Zach Shackelford to help your facilitate your communication. You know, Parker Braun is experienced, not an experienced pass blocker. So basically, you're almost handicapping yourself in some of those situations because you've got a guy in Parker Braun that in some cases is is seeing some stuff for the first time in terms of playing in this offense where yeah. your blocking rules are completely different than they are in a triple option. And then a redshirt freshman, now – the liability there's not as much on Parker Braun in terms of having to facilitate communication because now you've got curse that are in there. I just think the drop off at right tackle isn't as steep as it otherwise would be in some cases or that we've seen in some years. And your communication, I think, is probably better with curse that are playing closer to the ball. Could you some of you would argue it's probably an upgrade at guard for you in terms of communication to veteran presence? Yeah, absolutely. Do you think I'm not as a player? You think is curse that a better uh, guard than than Angelou's I think Angelou, I think Angelou's a run blocker <laughs> this year has been really good. Okay. But, again, you're talking about a retro. And Junior Aguilar played in a triple option offense in high school. So a lot of this stuff he's seeing for the first time. Yeah. So it's not that I, I don't think – I'm trying to phrase this the right way because I'm – I'll, I'll die on the hill. I think Angulao is a really good player and is going to be a really, really good player by the time to channel my inner Tom Herman, a really, really good player by the time he's done at Texas. But I, So I don't think you've upgraded players. I think your situation, though, is probably better because, again, it just facilitates communication. And we know Kerstetter 
Kerstetter's at the point in his career, Rod, kind of where you think of a guy like a, a David Snow comes to mind. Mm. Uh, you know, a guy that maybe doesn't have like an elite ceiling, but doesn't really have like any glaring noticeable deficiencies either. Yeah. That's what you. He's gonna get beat. Like everybody at this level gets beat. Like usually Sam Cosme gets beaten. Shaq I, was I, the only one who graded out, out as a champ, champion championship I think, level in that game. So uh, yeah, I mean, Sam, we've seen Sam Cosme. Other than Sam beat. Cosme, I saw PFF <gasps> had their top hundred prospects for the twenty twenty draft. Mm-hmm. They got Sam Cosme as a top forty draft eligible prospect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that just shows you like the national respect he's got. Yeah. But b- bottom line is, I would disagree with Tom Herman and say the offensive line was serviceable. I thought they were good, maybe even damn good. Even with Angular. I would say that K State didn't throw a lot of stunts and twists at them, though. Virtually. I don't know why they didn't. That didn't make any sense. I, well, like I mean, the one thing that Texas struck. <laughs> hell, Oklahoma's only got one sack since they sacked Texas. I'll nine tell you, times. we're probably going to see a lot of those. I'm not joking. They only got one. Yeah. I'm not, yeah. I know it sounds like a joke, but it's not. It's that's crazy. how hard. Of an, that's how hard it was for Texas to block that loop, the loop stunts and the twists, and everybody after has been doing it, and people before were doing it. And if you K State, it's like, well, why didn't you do that? So I'm not like, like rooting for K State. I'm just saying K State didn't really do that a lot. And I it's sort of a gift for why. Texas that those yeah. type of things go unnoticed sometimes, but they're worth exactly. pointing out because you can almost expect to see that against Iowa State, exactly. against Baylor. Yeah, and those are the type of things that okay, well, like, you can and, get away and with it. Lineman went down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're thinking like, oh, no, oh now that's where we're really like, going to attack yeah, Some stuff in the K-State game plan to me was like dumb for and, me. Like, and yeah. I'm glad we'll you get brought to the, the other uh, side. Well, yeah. And the fact that they opened up that game, so we're going to talk Texas defense then. They opened yeah. up Chris Kleiman. Honestly, Chris Kleiman's a good coach, but that was the dumbest game plan I've ever seen going up against the Texas defense. You opened up the game. You went. You, you you threw on ten of your first fifteen passes. So all of your film study, it did. It, it it basically confirmed everything that we've been saying. You throw on the Texas defense. You throw on them early. You throw on them often, and you throw it on them deep. By the way, they didn't throw it deep. They only had two passes. They threw twenty yards or more down the field. Yeah. By the so way, your game completed, script, you completed did it one right. of them, and it was a touchdown on Brandon Jones. So everything was working, and you threw on ten of your first fifteen plays, eleven of your first sixteen, and then for some reason. You decided to revert back to K-State football after you got up 14-0 and decided to run the ball on early downs 55% of the time. Went look Gundy. on Matt Butler's face right now. It like, went Gundy, dude. went Gundy. He's like, what dude. are you doing? You got Texas right where you want him. Yeah. And then you so, – so the Texas defense, and listen, they did great. We'll talk about the adjustments. We'll get to the good here in but, a minute. But, they were not tested. That was not a test for the for the Texas defense. And by the way, Skylar Thompson having his best game ever as a passer. I mean, everything pointed to like, well, dude, just keep throwing it. And he did not want to do it. And I was like, Chris Kleiman. And you're playing without your leading rusher, too. Chris yeah. Kleiman. What are you doing? Your you're in the Big study, 12, dude. Your film study, though, your blue, your your first 15 plays, your scripted plays told me you did your research. You are you listening to the Longhorn Blitz podcast? Yeah. One or the other. Either way, it's good research, and you knew exactly how to attack Texas. And your quarterback was playing lights out, and everything was working. And you just decided, I'm going to be K State. We're going to be K State today. We're going to be. Should have just rewound the game script you and done have. it all like 15 again. So to me, that's why I wasn't disappointed. I think Texas did a great job, but they weren't tested. So I, I. My my concerns are still there about the Texas defense oh, I, I and the think they weren't integrity of it. Like, but the, this was a situation where we've seen they Texas at times yes, in some out-coached. games they and They weren't because Chris Kleiman, that was a stupid game plan. Mike Gunny's a brilliant coach. So is uh, Chris Kleiman. But those game plans against Texas were stupid. That's why they both lost. Well, I, I think you're right to be concerned, Rob, because as we talked about, this defense isn't going to be, air quotes, good this yeah. year. But I, I saw enough in that game that leads me to believe they have a chance down the stretch to be good enough. No, no, I, I'm not, we'll get into the adjustments. We'll get into I like the, good. the adjustments. But yeah. it's not just that. We talk about percentages. It's not that just that K-State tried to run the ball. It's the way they tried to run it, which the one thing this Texas defense that I can say they do well, and the film study will back me up on it, on early downs, between the combination of Keandre Coburn at nose and with the way Jawan Mitchell and Delia Dayway play, nobody's just been able to line up and run the ball at Texas. Oh, yeah. no. When they've run the ball, it's been hitting them on the edges, and that's when we get into our conversation about structural integrity of the defense and, and pers- quarterbacks. personnel at, yeah. at, at, at you know the deficiencies you've got at linebacker and your personnel at nickels and jokers and all that stuff. But they just tried to line up and pound Texas, and Great. I'm like – if I'm going to attack Texas, that's the, that's the very last thing I'm going to do. Edges, right? Yeah. You know how to attack. Yeah. Make sure your quarterback is in the running game. And it, 
They did. They didn't do anything. That was a crazy game plan by Clyman. I don't get it. Let's take Rice out of the equation. There's seven games worth of film that showed you exactly how you need to attack Texas. And they did. And your opening on. script, like you said, Ron, was brilliant. It showed that you clearly did the research. The, the, but the opening script, I was like, oh, we are so screwed. We are oh, yeah. screwed. They're moving the ball. They're moving the ball. Scott Thompson is feeling good about himself. Well, what Brandon me, Jones is having a bad game. Our was best Texas looked good on, the, old, on the lines of scrimmages, yeah. but they were throwing the ball, and it made me be like, oh, well, maybe this isn't going to matter, even if we have the advantage on the lines of scrimmages. Crazy. And even like yeah. you said, Jeff, like in previous games it would lend you to do that if you look at just the straight numbers the only thing texas is above average at is like on the d line is like line yards per carry and exactly. stuff right? <laughs> like everything literally across the board would be there so it's like oh it. well thank you yeah i didn't get it but i do i like the adjustments though and they and they were and they were they were subtle it, there was more four-man front and more four-down front, and I think you'll continue to see that, and I like that. And we'll get into a little deeper why I think he needs to do that on early downs versus Iowa State a little you're, bit more. You're going to because Iowa State's another team that's going to run heavy personnel. And they're going to have the multiple tight ends out there, exactly. Um, I did like the fact they played more zone coverage behind some of the blitzes, so you got some zone blitzes. Not as much uh, delayed blitzes from the secondary. A lot more blitzes in the second half that came just from the linebackers in the front seven. And also, listen, I, I think I think Todd Orlando is starting to be a little bit more conservative with his blitzes. I counted six third and nine plus uh, yards to go that Texas had to defend. He blitzed on five or six of those. Yeah. But it was it was it was not a zero blitz. Hmm. It was a blitz Just with help. It was, right? yeah. Exactly. It was a man. It was a cover one with safety over the top or a robber. So he's just getting a little bit more. I think there's the middle ground, the compromise. There's subtle changes, but I think honestly, with you and and the health, I, I'm with you. They they're not going to be great, but they're going to be able to make a key stop here and there, and that's pretty much what they've needed. The games they've lost. Yeah, that's that's where I'm at with this defense. Like if if my message to the Texas defense, if I'm Tom Herman, would be like, look, I know you're not going to be great, right? We know that, but just be good enough mm-hmm. when it matters. Yep. And, and that's really what you need from this defense. Like, and that's that's why I wrote the article during the bye week about the fourth quarter issues because look. I think Rod and gosh, man, Twitter's just kind of its own, just little kind of toxic. Yeah. Oh yeah, pool it'll drive or whatever. <laughs> but basically, the people that were on the bandwagon of it's been all about injuries, like they feel completely validated. They're, oh, see, you got Caden Stearns back, BJ Foster back. Defense is fine. That was a big part of it. Yeah, it good. Yeah. But then the there's there, there's the other group that said, ah, well, you know, no, it's not that. It's this. It's like. Look, it's been all of it, right? Yeah, we've it's talked not about binary. It. It's, it's a not one or the other. It's a gumbo yeah. of it all, baby. It's all that uh, issue. It's just Perfect like in storm. years when we talked about, you know, why why, yes. why under Sean Watson was the Texas offense bad? Is it his play calling? Is it the offensive line? Is it Tyrone Swoops? Is it lack of is it lack of imagination on offense? And the answer is yes. It's all of it. <laughs> all of it. Yes. Yes. Not one person <laughs> yes, to blame. Yes. You can't just get a, like well, fix we, it with one we, thing. We, we need to somebody to blame so we can pull our pitchforks out. You brought yes. up Twitter. Like everybody everybody wants their pound of flesh. Yeah, we want to blame game. We yes. want to point at somebody. And it's like, well, the truth is it's much more complex than that. Yes. And Todd Orlando didn't become an imbecile overnight. And, you know what I mean? So I, I agree with you. That's, yeah. yeah, and that's really – I don't want to get on a soapbox here. That's really my goal with this podcast. Look, there's people that know more football out there than I do. But my goal with this podcast, from my point of view, is I just want to make you try to look at it from a different perspective and say, oh, blame this guy, blame this guy. No, no, no. Just kind of pull back from it because mm-hmm. I think a- as fans you do it because I've been in the fan realm of it. But even as a writer, I think you can get too tunnel visioned on it yep. and be too close to it yeah. that – that whole you can't see the forest through the trees. Maybe I'm using the wrong analogy here, but no, you're right. No, you're right. Almost both of those. No deal. Sometimes you just got to pull back and be like, okay, let me just kind of take a thirty thousand foot view of this and, and see mm-hmm. what's going on. And you can see that it's there's a lot when when things aren't going right. There's yeah. a lot of reasons why. Just like when things are going well, there's a lot of reasons why Amen. they're going well. But Rod, you talk about the adjustments with his defense and Todd Orlando's going to keep blitzing. But I think the what I like about it is now you've got a better idea. That K State game gave me. A better feeling. Okay, Todd Orlando's getting a better idea of what his. You can knock him for it taking eight or nine games to get there, but <laughs> now I think he's got a really good idea of what his personnel can do and what they can't do. Mm. Yes, yes. No, I agree with that too. And but you know what? I think that improved with him toward the end of every year. He started to figure things out a little bit better, and it, it, honestly, there's that. an adjustment period. But 17 and 18 were like that too. One thing also that I liked, and we talked about this, and we talked about you got those corners now that are playing relatively well. By the way. Deshaun Jameson, 
playing the hands, baby. There you I, go. I knew yeah. you had to love hands, that. I thought baby. about you when I saw Man, that. Give him, give him some pride. I don't know I if they've like, been at listening. The, look at that DB high alum playing, playing the, the hands. hands. Yes. Baby, play the hands, man. You can't always play the man, but you can play them hands. Was a, look, hey, just looked it all the way in, knocked it out. I, 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 felt, I, I did. I felt proud that moment. Did you but, feel like like the proud uncle, Rod? Well, I just, I, you know, being so a DB been, high guy yourself. I had ranted on, on the show mm-hmm. about, you know, you got to figure out how you're going to play a guy depending on the situation, if you're playing it from a slot, where's your leverage, all that kind of what the coverage is. And I'm glad. It seemed like he thought that through. My leverage point, everything. And I mean, you can tell he was looking at those hands. It was a was, tape piece. Yeah, so like it was a hand. It really was. That's a great. It was a teachable moment. Yes. You could put that on film a right now and teach a young piece. DB. But he played like the Rod's slot. footwork. He's playing the slot when they use their seven DB package. Mm-hmm. And I like that because our point was you're deep at cornerback now when now Jalen Green's going to be out for the first half. But you're deep at cornerback now. You probably got three starting corners. You feel like now, yeah. all right. At first it was a it was something that was a liability. Now it may be a strength for you. Hey, move one of those guys inside. See if they can play the nickel or the dime for you. And they did it with Deshaun Jameson in that seven DB package. So I like that. I like him in the slot better than you know some of those other safeties you're going to put well, out there. Well, just getting these bodies back gives you options which you didn't have point. before, which is Amen. so valuable to have because before you're just trying to get bodies that are totally competent agree. enough to right. do something. And now, I mean, when you start to throw in now, you get a Chris Brown back. Probably. Chris Brown back. Then yeah. we already saw Over him. Look at uh, Havoc plays from this last game. You got two and a half from B.J. Foster, as if he's, he's maybe getting back. healthy. No, you know, Brandon. Jones had two, but look, we I noticed these havoc plays from the D line and linebackers, which was actually pretty impressive. It was one of the better performances for yeah, Texas all year because he's, yes, he's using them better. Yes, he's using them better. They're not always in coverage where they don't need to be. They were, I think, early on in the first quarter. Well, but you now, have your better guys behind them that he's you working don't, downhill. Yeah, and you know what? Now you got your DBs back. To your point, it's hey, all man, married together. Yeah. Totally agree yeah, with you, man. That's and, uh, a really good point. I think that's that. where I think that's where Chris Brown is going to help you getting him back at, at the second level because kind of piggybacking on what you just said, Matt. Yeah, you can be more aggressive with Mitchell in a day away and have them do look. You're forced to play those guys as your two inside linebackers. Would yeah. you Would you like to have a Gary Johnson or a Malik Jefferson, a guy that's a little more versatile, maybe a little more speed oriented guy? Mm-hmm. Yes, in a perfect world you would, but you don't have that right now. But Todd Orlando could do what he wants to do with those guys, what he needs to do with those guys, knowing okay now. You feel better about Caden Stearns, B.J. Foster, Chris yep. Brown being there to clean things up than Montreal Estelle, Tyler Owens, and totally know, who, whoever. Yeah, and even when you had Deshaun Jameson inside, honestly, if you'd had one of those safeties inside, truth is, that might be a touchdown because it was a really well thrown ball. I mean, the ball yeah. was right there in Sean's mm-hmm. hands, and you just had a really you had a, one of your best coverage players there. So I, I totally agree with Matt and you. I think it's just helping Tarlando get more options and put players in better positions now to succeed. Those linebackers, they don't need to be they don't need to be taking steps back. They need oh. to be going forward most of the time with the blitzing mm-hmm. or with the run stuff. And they're in coverage against these tight ends. That's probably going to be a problem. And it's versus worth pointing out too. Not only <laughs> are they you have more options now, but these players now are in these situations where you don't necessarily maybe have to have as many reps. And if you're playing in a situation Very you're comfortable true. with, you aren't as prone to injury in both of those type of situations. Yep. So it's just something where you finally maybe getting to see a healthy defense whenever it's like the last grasp for a decent shot at the season. Totally agree. That gives us a great place to Ooh. talk Iowa State. Woo. Because, Rod, when you start talking about Iowa State, we man. can start with Brock Purdy. and you know, Oh, man. Reese Hall looks like a really, really good running back. Everything he was cracked up to be as a impressive on film, man. And, man, they're, they're wide receivers, honestly. They're between, better than you think. Yep. Between Milton and – like, those are – they might have the two best receivers in the country that nobody talks about. They're, they're, uh, I think like, they're top ten in the Big Twelve in like, receiving yards per game. Both of them are. I think and they're like both at the bottom. The numbers, like nine, yeah. and, they're like nine and ten or something Very like that. Very impressive. No, 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 uh, no, they are. Yeah, Tariq Milton's leading the Big Twelve in yards per catch. Over C.D. Lamb, I think C.D. Lamb's at 22.3, Milton's at 22.7. And by the way. And Deshante Jones is, like, I think fourth in the league in uh, catches per game. Hakeem Butler averaged 22 yards a catch. <laughs> so we talked about how you beat a Texas defense, throw it early, throw it often, and throw it deep. They can throw it deep. We know that. They got a deep threat. This will be a much, <laughs> and plus when you're talking about no disrespect to Skylar Thompson's fans and family who might be listening to this, but you're, it's a different animal when you're going against Brock Purdy, and this is not the same Brock Purdy Texas saw last year when he was a freshman quarterback really caught in the headlights. I mean, look, he had one start on the road last year before yeah, Texas. I but remember that. It, it was That was at Kansas, like in an 11 a.m. Mm-hmm. game, and as you guys know, as hyped as that crowd was for the Iowa State game last year, especially think, think about everything that went into that game last year. Like You knew it was potentially a big game because I think – 
two top 15 teams, but then like 20 minutes before kickoff or whatever it was, everybody realizes that West Virginia loses in Stillwater and basically the winner of this game is in the Big 12 championship game. It changes the stakes, so it, Brock Purdy looked like a true freshman. I remember that. Not the case, Rod. His numbers are freaking outstanding. Like as good as Sam Ellinger's been, put Brock Purdy's numbers right next to Sam Ellinger's, and they're just as good in some cases. I, I said on my show yesterday, and I got in trouble when I said this like in '09 or something. I think I said it. I said in '09, I said if RG three was at Texas, mm-hmm. he'd be doing exactly what Cole McCoy is doing, if not more, and he'd win the Heisman. And people were like. What the hell are you talking about, man? Roger T's not as good as Cody. I was like, he is. I'm sorry, he is. Yeah. And everybody's like, that's crazy. In college, I was like, yeah, he was. And I said the same thing yesterday about Brock Purdy and Sam Ellinger. I said, honestly, if Brock Purdy was here in Texas, resources he got and the weapons, he'd be doing just what Sam Ellinger's doing, if not more. He's just that good. He's, he's Except that good. I think they all have their own strengths, but he's probably got more overall raw arm talent than, than Sam. The ball kind of comes off his hands with a little bit more spin, a little more velocity. I think Sam is a better runner in terms of he's in the red zone, powerful, kind of unique ability that Purdy's just kind of a he's a, he's a dual threat guy because he's second mm-hmm. on the team in rushing. But it's Purdy's, Purdy's, got a little more wig- Purdy's got a little more wiggle. I think yeah, you know what I mean? So they're different, but, man, I'm telling you, that's how good he is. I'll give you a Brock Purdy stat. I love this Brock Purdy stat. Okay, so, oh, yeah, I got this one. Okay, so Brock Purdy had a six-touchdown performance versus OU. Uh, second time this season he's had at least six touchdowns in the game. He had one rushing, five passing. Joe Burrow is the only other player in the FBS with a mo- with multiple six touchdown games this year. Mm-hmm. Brock Purdy and Joe Burrow. <laughs> and good company. Dude, dude, he's a Brock player, Purdy dude. is damn good. Dude, Purdy is the real deal, man. He is, uh, yeah, he's the real deal. But, Rob, we talk about there. Tariq Milton. We talk about Deshante Jones and uh, those guys, like I said, it's pro- they're probably the two best receivers in the country. That Literally, like when you talk about the best receiver groups in the country, you talk about Alabama, you talk about LSU. Nobody talks about Iowa State, and I'm telling you, you should. I think Pro Football Focus had him pretty high in their rankings. I think they had him in the top 15. And then Brees Hall over his – he's got seven rushing touchdowns in his last four games. He's averaging 132 yards a game over his last four. But to me, Rod, and we talk about this with Tom Herman and the pro spread offense and the tight end being the position that binds the pro elements with the spread elements. Kolar. Texas has not had anything close to what Iowa State's got with Charlie Kohler. Yeah. He, he is a top 10 tight end in the country in Agreed. pretty much mm-hmm. every statistical category. Yeah. Uh, Todd Orlando threw that G word out there to describe Charlie Kolar. Mm. Said it's a lot like defending the guy that used to wear 87 for the Patriots because Ooh. he can go get jump balls. He can be a matchup nightmare. That means He's, I don't want to see a linebacker on him. No. <laughs> All right. I don't want to see it. And yes. honestly, you might want to watch about putting smallish DBs on them. No, I was thinking, yeah, you need to get your Joneses, your Sterns, yeah. your, uh, your I was Foster. Foster. Yeah. Foster. I was on with sure. Chad and Kevin on the horn on, on, big bodies, baby. on Wednesday afternoon, and Chad said, what's a matchup that you don't want to see Texas in with Charlie Kohler? I said, if, if you pre-snap, if you feel like it's going to end up being a linebacker on him, burn a timeout. Burn a timeout. Joseph Asai is the only linebacker I may trust in that situation, and honestly, I still think that's a disadvantage. And that Joseph Asai is the best defense player we got. I may not burn a timeout on that one, but if I see like <laughs> Deli Adeoye like, or Jawan Mitchell on Kohler, I'm burning, I'm burning yeah, a timeout. That's worth a timeout because that could be a touchdown. <laughs> yeah, yeah it should be a rule that you have at those I points. Agree. Like at certain situations, you, you you rarely see like corners shadow somebody in like the NFL, but like in this situation in college when you only have a certain amount of body types, yeah. like you could see just B.J. Honestly, Foster shadowing him or I, somebody like if Jones or Stern. No, that's a great there. point. I could see I could see you putting your safety as a – like he rotates to that side over the top of him all the time. And I think we've seen Texas do that with other premier wide receivers. And actually, I know that wide receivers are good. Tariq Milton – is it Tariq Milton? Mm-hmm. He's the only one that worries me that he may get deep on one of our corners. I think our corners can hold up relatively well against them in just normal coverage. I don't think they're play-breaking type players, but I would put somebody over the top of Milton or at least somebody who knows, like, hey, you know, that guy can beat you deep because he can just run by guys. He, yeah. He's he's legit speedster. But, yeah, I, I think the Kolar thing because they're going to throw out a heavy, which means you got to match. If you, you know what I mean? you got to try to match their heavy, and I think Tarlando may try to do that. If you do that, it could also be to your detriment because – Kolar, they can just chunk all, the play all action out of All it's going to take is one time in that situation yeah. for you to not have the right matchup that could be the exactly one time right. that kills you. Exactly right. Yeah. So it, it, it'll be a true chess match for Tarlando. And I guarantee you this, and I went, I went and tracked it, uh, they will throw the ball, throw the ball early and often uh, versus Oklahoma State. They threw the ball on first down 69% of the time. 
They threw it 72% of the time on second down versus uh, uh, Baylor. They threw it 63% of the time on first down, and they threw it, I think, 56% of the time on second down. They will trust in Purdy. The reason Matt Campbell said he went for two in that game versus Oklahoma, he said, I was watching Purdy make unbelievable plays, and I wanted to keep the ball in his hands. Mm. He trusts in Purdy. He's going to let Purdy win this game. I didn't disagree with with Matt Campbell. Some people took issue with him. I didn't either. They were rolling. Look, they were killing Oklahoma in that fourth quarter. Here's here's mm-hmm. my thing on two point conversions, and this goes back to when I covered Baylor many years ago when Guy Morris was the head coach at Baylor, and they're playing A and M. It's an overtime game, and Baylor at that point hadn't beaten A and M since like 1985, 86, mm. something like that. And Guy Morris's rationale, I asked him, okay, why'd you go for two? He said, look, our kids had fought their tails off to get in that game. Amen. We're not supposed to win. And at that point, when we got a little bit of momentum, and I, I love this quote, he's like, "I just decided we were gonna if we were gonna drop the hammer, we were gonna do it right then." Yeah, we go. I'm gonna, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. So I got to text with one of my totally but, with one of my buddies in situations like that. I'm like, this, I was like, "Drop the hammer." That's where you got to do it. No, I totally. If people got on Shano because Shano in that game uh, versus the Seahawks, he could have played for a tie, which would have put him. It would have been better for his playoff yeah, standings that, and yeah, seeding. And yeah, like and, and Shano was like, you know, like, no, nah, man, I'm trying to go win the damn game. I gave mm-hmm. it to Jimmy G. Jimmy G. Go win the game. If we can't go win the game, then we're not going to win. Yeah, the we game. don't care about being undefeated. Yeah, with like, a tie. Exactly. like I'm not that guy. He's like, oh, I'm, yeah. So I, I respect that. I respect well, that. And watching, the, I watched that Iowa State that whole fourth quarter. I, I sort of had it on the background, and then like I was like, my God, they put up twenty straight points like Dude. that. And I mean, they're playing with so much confidence. And the, yeah. he, I can't believe Purdy fit that ball into that guy. It hit him right in the gut. Didn't it was just a great it. play by the DBs playing the ball and yeah. knocked it out into the other OU Pur- guys. Pur- Purdy is the, be- the the best passer Texas will face behind Joe Burrow this year. Yeah. And I don't know who they're going to play in the bowl game. But he's probably going to be better as a passer than whoever we play in the bowl game. Yeah, well, you're not playing Brock Purdy or Joe Burrow in the bowl game. so That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I, told, I, yeah. that's I mean, he's that good. He's that good. Uh, Rod, you, Matt, you mentioned you watched the fourth quarter. And you look at Iowa State and Texas. Both of these teams are really oh, good man. scoring teams in the fourth quarter. Iowa State, they both actually scored 116 points in the fourth quarter in nine games. Well, what what is the difference you might ask in those points? Uh, Texas has given up. I want to say hundred twenty eight. Iowa State's given up forty three in the fourth yeah. quarter. You can you can score a lot. This is a thing that fantasy yeah. people will see. You can score a lot of points if you're always chasing and just trying to catch up or stay with somebody. It's a lot different in that's, twenty points. That's yeah. where Texas has been. A lot of those hundred sixteen points have been because they needed every damn. One Iowa State point. is second in the country in fourth quarter point differential. Yeah, there, that's the difference right mm-hmm. there. Yeah, yeah, they've been, don't but fall behind and think you're gonna come back in the fourth quarter. The flip side of that, Rod, is Iowa State's been a terrible starting team. They haven't. So to me, here's the key for me in this game. That's a good point. This is what it boils down to for me because Matt Campbell and Tom Herman, very similar to what we'll talk about next week mm-hmm. with Tom Herman and Matt Rule. Matt Campbell and Tom Herman, very similar in what they totally value agree. that wins football games. Totally agree. They both want to be balanced on offense. They both want to be able to run the football. They both value time of possession and being really good on third down and doing things from a conventional. But they're both spread guys and understand that in today's football, you've got to be dynamic and diverse and explosive. Whichever one of these two teams can get out to an early lead big enough to make the other team panic and turn it into a throw game, totally that's the side that's got the advantage. Yeah. And you see, that's the thing. Okay, so what if some team decides to be the aggressor and come out and throw early? Yeah, and that's my concern with the Texas defense because I think I think that Matt Campbell is smart enough to do what K State did not, or at least continue to do what K State started and didn't do throughout the game. Was no, it's Purdy's game. Let Purdy go win it early. You start yeah. playing a game where you want to run it against Texas, dude. You're playing right into it. And we've seen it. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma State, and we've seen it with K-State. Two good teams, by the way. They're not scrubs. Yeah. And by the way, two of the best running teams in the country with the best running back in the country. And that's you a wanna, big part. Exactly. So you want to play that game, that's fine. But I'm telling you, Todd Orlando's going to win. You want to beat Todd Orlando, we already know how to do it. Your quarterback's got to do it. Your running back's not going to be able to do it. Your quarterback's got to beat Orlando. That's what this defense is designed around. 
And they got Purdy, and, and that's the type Purdy. of thing that makes you scared. And also, if you look Man. at Iowa State the last few weeks and some of these games against Big 12 opponents, offensive line has not fared well. Now, coming into the year, they're a team that as experienced and looks as good on paper that you can be from O-line, and they have a good O-line, but they haven't performed well late in the season. So Sounds I don't familiar. know where the confidence in that would be to run the ball for them. So it only lends more to putting the ball in the hands of Purdy to make plays. Yeah, Rod, we didn't get into it real quick quick before we wrap start wrapping this up uh you mentioned maybe going more for man or for like for down yeah on early, early downs, downs because i think for todd orlando basically when teams throw on early downs they're making themselves more unpredictable todd orlando the thing that helps him psychologically as a dc and trying to anticipate what an offensive coordinator is going to do you run on early downs then you know second downs are 50 50 and then third down you're passing it it's simple like it, mm-hmm. it's used to that right. that process you totally shatter that process mm-hmm. and that mo when you throw on early downs because because then he's got to guess every down what you're doing, and he's not really good at that. That's why I say they, they, they're they not playing the hand. They're playing the man, and I think Matt Campbell, and, and, and they're going to do the same thing. But for Todd Orlando, you play four, four down or four-man front, it gives you a better buffer against the run early on just in case they're going to run it, but you can still drop guys back and deal with coverage. You know what I mean? And if they're yeah. going to pass early on, hey, you still have a better pass rush with the four-man front. I thought that's where you were going with You know what I mean? Like, I think it just gives you a better buffer yeah. for the, uh, let's say, the unpredictability of those early down. When you're three down early on, you know, you got to bring pressure. If yeah. you're gonna if you're gonna run blitz or apply pressure on an early down if they're passing, in that case, you just you just told me what you're doing. Then I can easily predict it. Oh, he's bringing pressure. I'm just gonna throw behind that blitz. But I think you can in the chess match. You go four man front early on, four down front early on. Then you stop them on first down, whether it's a run or whether it's a pass. And then they're in second and long. That's a predictable it sets passing you up down. Better for third those and long, down. Yeah, predictable exactly. passing down. You got to get to the point where it's a predictable passing down. The thing that makes it crazy, you throw him first down against Tartalando, then he he's totally flummoxed. And then sometimes also with if we're talking four man personnel on the D line, like it's normally going to be in this idea the opposing personnel. Mm-hmm. So yep. with the idea that I mean Iowa State likes those tight ends. If you're going to see more tight ends, you're going to be more inclined, and that's exactly what totally Herman agree. said. It wasn't any. Blah, blah, political statement or whatever. It was just matching up against personnel. It's a, They do it in goal line. They do it to stop the run. I like your idea, though, that it sort of can automate your safeguard yes. in those downs exactly so then right. you can still play call. In addition to it may just be forced because of the personnel that Could the opposition yeah. and looking at who Texas will be playing. Well, you know, K-State, then Iowa State, and Baylor, they sort of trend all to being in situations where you may just have to match up and match up with the four-man line. Yeah. Joseph Osai, from that standpoint, Rod, could be huge in this game when you talk about just bringing him closer to the line of scrimmage, playing yeah. him in the box. And if you get a situation where he's lined up over Kolar, just just have him smash the tight end every play. Totally agree. Mash him. Yep. As much as possible. Yep. Like, Don't I'll let him get, get no free, free releases. releases. Yep. No. Like, yep. Charlie Kolar should walk off that field feeling like, damn, I was just in a car accident. Totally agree. If anything, yep. get, get – Don't ask the linebackers to cover him. Just ask him to bang him. Get See what you can get away with holding him off the totally line. Agree. Don't let him do anything. If they're giving you anything, take it for the first year. That's another thing. Like, Matt, you made a great point. We've seen all year defensive backs be handsy with these Texas wide receivers. Yeah, we're calling. Mm-hmm. Hey, I, I, Rod, I don't know where you're at this. Where you're at as far as this as a DB, I can live sometimes with a pass interference call yeah. or a defensive holding. Well, in college, yeah. you almost ha- should like it's you aren't even penalized. Yeah. you're incentivized to p- commit the penalty if you're any way beat because it takes off any risk of a touchdown on every play. All right, guys, let's get to predictions. Um, I'll start it off. I guess. Uh, look, I, I think this game is pretty even. You look at Iowa State, four losses by a combined eleven points. This is a good football team. It's mm-hmm. a quality football team. Agreed. And this goes back to my forest through the trees comment. I, I guess I'm just too close to Texas. For the second time all year, I picked LSU to win the LSU game. I'm going to pick Iowa State because I don't trust that Texas can play a clean enough game on the road. situationally yeah. on the road to be to to have it all add up to a win. Yep. Penalties at the top of my list of concerns. Turnovers. Turnovers and then just kind of clunkiness in the red zone offensively, and then every, and Colin Johnson's hamstring—that's a big part of it too. But, but then right, everybody's throwing the ball in Texas, and this Iowa State passing game—I'm telling you right now—if you haven't watched any tape on it, it's probably too late in the week now. Just take our word for it; mm-hmm. they're really good throwing the football. Yeah, 
I'm going to take. I'll take Texas to cover. Matt, what are we at right now? It's seven, seven, six and a half. Yeah, I've seen seven basically across the board right now at about sixty six. There's one book with like sixty five and a half. Definitely feel good about the cover, but I'm going to take Iowa State thirty four thirty one. Um, man, Brock Purdy's he's legit, man. He's a real deal. Um, I, I you know what? I'll take Iowa State too. I'm leaning Iowa State right now. I just think Iowa State. They're a better football team. Their record shows they're going to be at home. It's probably their biggest game of the year, arguably, at home. Yep. And uh, Brock Purdy's the real deal. Um, I, I'm worried about that Texas pass defense. I think they'll throw early often, and they'll throw it deep, and they'll make just enough plays against Texas to win 31-27. to 27. If Iowa State loses, it's karma for wearing those awful blackout jerseys that Ooh, they're going to wear on Saturday. Awesome. Oh, they're wearing black jerseys? Yeah, they're wearing all black. Ah, yeah. yeah. So Texas fans toe. have been wanting yeah. that for a long time. But uh, I, I've been back and forth. I came into here picking Texas to lose, but after looking at the line of scrimmage numbers and the offensive line, I actually like like the matchup Texas has on both lines of scrimmage, which seems really weird in this setup. But like looking at Iowa State on the road, it seems like a sucker bet with the seven points that's there. But there's just something about Texas getting the bodies back. And even though I think that it's been a multitude of factors, I really do think getting those top-end starters in a situation against a passing offense is going to be something that will help out Texas, and I think Texas might just get a little lucky with a few plays, but I think I'll take them to win like 34-31. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, we're all kind of in the same ballpark. We'll see how it unfolds on Saturday. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod B., appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother, anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 104.9, 1019, AM 1260. Stream it on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you can get Rod B. on the Rodcast each and every weekday from 1 to 3. Shameless plug. Don't forget to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts. Search Horns 24-7 Podcast. Don't forget to like us and leave us a review. And thanks to Matt, you can find all of our classic shows and interviews on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.